this is Enter VR, and I'm Chris Miranda. This is the podcast on all things virtual reality, and sometimes a little more. Today, I am speaking with uh, Ben Librojo. He is the creator of Combat Helicopter, um, an Oculus Rift demo that is out on Oculus Share, and it is uh, awesome. I love it. It's a really good. It's a really good demo, and uh, for a lot of reasons, um, which I'll get into in a little bit. But first off. Ben, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is exciting. Where Where are you right now? What part of the world are you in? I'm currently in Athens, Greece. Um, I'm originally from uh, Scotland, and I've spent about uh, a third of my life living in the States as well. So I've, I've moved around a lot. Well, uh, how did you How did you go to How did you go from Scotland to Greece, and what was your your story there. Sorry, I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm still wondering that myself, to be honest. No, um, my girlfriend and I met in Scotland, and we started going on holiday. She she uh, used to live in Greece, and we started going on holiday to Greece uh, once a year. And I just sort of fell in love with it. Oh, cool. And I had the chance to move over there, so I just just did. Awesome. Okay, so yeah. let's talk about your game. Um, it's Combat mm-hmm. Helicopter. It is... Um, one of my favorites, and I'll say it because it's um, it's the lat the latest version, the one that you have on Oculus Share is so it feels so good. It runs so smoothly. Um, the and and you know it's a testament to this idea that games can be fun even though their graphics aren't ramped up to the max. You know, so Great. because you nail down a very good combat mechanic there with the with your first with the first mission the combat mission like mm-hmm. that was um that was a that was exhilarating there was a point in your game where the tanks were firing at me and you can see the missiles coming at me and it, it was just it, well, i was like oh my god here it comes here it comes and then you, you just <laughs> hit the joystick just a little bit and then boom you it, it it reminded me of um again one of my one like one of the one of the movies that I really liked when I was growing up was Black Hawk Down. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always liked helicopters. And now I get to talk to someone who made a helicopter game. So thank you. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. I really liked it, man. I'm just, yeah. Thank you. I'm just Thanks. excited. I mean, first of all, it's great to hear that it, that it runs smoothly. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I, I, um, I really pushed to get a demo, even though the, the game is uh, you know, still in development. I wanted to get some feedback from people. Uh, mostly because my experiences with DK2 have been spotty at best. Um, I can't get almost anything to work on it at the moment, which is both good and bad. It's bad because I haven't been playing many other demos since uh, since I got DK2, but it's good in a way because it helps me to focus on my own developments. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of worried that uh, I was writing this game and nobody would you know be able to play it or it just wouldn't run, uh, whatever. Yeah. So when I when I did release it, it's good to know that people are actually you know able to experience it and have a good experience with it. Yeah, SDK 4.3 was in my mind. I, I don't know if his other people's experiences was the same, but SDK 4.3 was uh was really hard on uh, a lot of demos that I wanted to show. Um, they were just weren't working on 4.3, and and yours was running like butter, just smooth, smooth like jazz so good wow. um and yeah that so is there like a secret sauce is there something that you put in there that is making it run that that good what's uh do you know i wish i could claim to be a genius that figured out exactly how to make things work perfectly but the only thing that i've done 
is, as you've said already, is just try to keep the detail as low as possible, keep the polygon count low, the draw calls to a minimum. Um, I was really aiming to have it run on as many machines as possible. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously DK2 needs 75 uh, frames per second. Mm -hmm. And they're saying that CV1 is 90 frames per second. So I was, I was keeping that at the forefront, uh, the efficiency, and trying to make it as, uh, as uh, efficient as possible. And that's the only thing I've done, really. What is your background? How did you wind up in this, I, I say this neck of the woods, but how did you wind up in uh, in, in the virtual reality industry? Um, well, I've when I was at university in Scotland, I was, um, I was doing AI and computer science, and I always wanted to be a games programmer. And then I started messing around with web games, and I somehow I just managed to get hired while I was still kind of studying. So I was working remotely for a company for a number of years, and I was also doing my own stuff online, and just uh, somehow managed to earn a living for a number of years, uh, just developing my own web games and doing contracts with other companies. Um, I did that for a number of years, and then I, I kind of got bored uh, playing and developing games. Um, and then when I heard about the DK1, the, the Kickstarter, way back in, God, I don't even know when it was now, like a year and a half ago, two years ago, I became interested in it, I, I actually obsessed with it, because I remember the, the thing that made me want to get into games, uh, programming, was uh, the idea of VR. And uh, when I actually got to try a DK1, I completely fell in love with games and games development again, um, inspired by what I think is going to come in the next year or so. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's basically it. What made you put so much faith in DK1 at that time? Like, what made you feel like, oh, this is going to be a thing and not just some, you know, pixelated uh, plastic doodly-doo? <laughs> <laughs> Very well put. Um, it was, well, the, I had tried VR before that. I had tried the original, um, I don't know if you remember the, uh, there was a, I think it was a British company called Virtuality that did arcade games way back in, I don't even know when it was. Um, but these these were arcade machines that you could you know you could pay money and you would you would put on this unfeasibly large HMD on your head and it was um, little tiny CRT screens inside of it. I don't know. Did you ever play with these? Did you ever? I've seen them on commercials and I've seen them on TV. So but okay, I, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think I missed out on much though. <laughs> no, you certainly did not. But um, so I mean. Prior to trying DK1, that was my only other exposure to VR. Mm. So obviously there was a huge jump in um, in how the experience felt. And I don't know when I when I put on the DK1, I was really pessimistic. I was just kind of I wasn't expecting too much, so I had low expectations for whatever reason. And um, the first thing I tried, like everybody, was Tuscany. And I just remember looking up at the ceiling, and a whole bunch of uh, bad language came out of my mouth because I was just so floored at how convincing the whole thing was and yeah of course you can analyze it and say you know it was uh really pixelated um not a particularly good screen or whatever but just the fact that uh for me anyway it it it, it, it felt like i was in this space mm -hmm. i mean i could see through the, the the cracks and i could see that you know it had a bit of a ways to go but um things um Things like resolution and uh, the screen brightness and, uh, and and all the other shortcomings, you know, were, were just a question of just uh, maybe a year or two away. You, you could, t I could tell that as soon as I tried it. Anyway, 
And where did you try it? Where did you go try it? Actually, I was uh, <clears throat> I was obsessing over the Kickstarter for a while. I never actually got involved in it, but uh, I convinced a friend of mine uh, to uh, <laughs> order a couple, and he ordered two. And I was planning to order one, but it just so happened that I just keep putting things off, and uh, he got his well before I got mine. So he brought his, his round, and I tried it. And... Um, I managed to convince him to just let me have one of them and that he would get my one when it uh, arrived about four weeks later. So it was basically a friend's that I just basically stole from him and I kept. And what made you want to develop in the first place? What made you want to create things in VR? Um, you know what? When I tried the DevKit 1, it kind of reminded me way back then when I first started programming games what it was all about. And it was all about... Uh, a book I read back then, it was called Virtual Reality. I think it was by somebody called Howard Rheingold. And this really fired my, my imagination back then. Um, but because it didn't actually work at the time and because the technology was kind of rubbish, um, this went into the back of my head and I completely forgot about it. But I still enjoyed writing and playing games for a number of years. So when I tried that DK1 and it sort of hit me that this thing actually works and it was actually quite a compelling experience that sort of came back to me and I sort of remembered why I got into all this in the first place if that makes any sense you know yeah I mean is it is it the the prospect of exploring a, like a new frontier in in human interaction or I mean what is it or is it like the, is it is it more about is it more about you being able to put yourself out there or is it more about capturing something that that is happening and, and going along with it? What's what do you think it is? I guess it's a number of things. I, I guess both of those things come into it. Uh, one of the really fulfilling things about what we're doing now is just you know you you write something, you build something, or you just create a little scene. And when you put on the HMD, it's like you're actually there. It's it kind of it's kind of like you've actually made something real in a sense. You know, I've always admired people that you know can do things with their hands and they can make you know tables or uh, build things from scratch. Um, and being a software engineer, it's kind of like uh, you you make things, but they're you know obviously they're more abstract because they only exist in the world of a computer. Mm -hmm. But now with with uh, with the Oculus Rift, it's it's kind of like those two things have come together. And it, it it never ceases to amaze me that you can you can make something relatively simple, like a, a little landscape, throw a couple of trees on there, and put on the uh, the Oculus Rift, and it, it feels like you've actually made something tangible. Do you know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure you understand. Yes, very yeah. much so. <laughs> and so it takes creative possibilities to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. You know, you're no longer creating something that's just going to be seen on a 2D screen. You're creating something that you can actually go inside. Yeah. And what do you think is the, I mean, what's the, what's the potential of that? What's the potential for that? How could that be? How, how is that any better than what we already have? And again, I'm, I'm playing, I'm sort of playing the devil's advocate so that we can have a, uh, a, a, a so I can prod inside your mind. So just sure, sure. keep in mind that everything you say, I like, I'm uh, like 99% I agree with. So, <laughs> but the right. questions I'm going to go, I, I like, uh, the, you know, I like playing chess inside my mind. There's two sides, so 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 I'm all, I'm gonna play the other side. Um, what so what so what is it about VR that you know that makes it so special? What's the what, what's the point of having a screen closer to your face where we could have it ten feet away? Well, it's the whole immersion factor, isn't it? I mean, it's the fact that you're actually no longer looking at something as an external viewer. You're actually 
uh, a part of that experience, whatever that may be. Um, And I I just think this is going to enhance everybody's lives in in every possible way. I mean, it's just like um, anything that you've ever wanted to do or experience is now a very distinct possibility if somebody just writes the software for it. You know, that's that's how I feel about VR. I just think it's it's such it's the ultimate level of um, escapism and entertainment and just realizing any of your dreams it's 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 that big a thing to me anyway it's 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 that profound uh, uh, of a a revolution in the way we're going to entertain ourselves and educate ourselves and communicate with each other mm-hmm. can i ask you why you stopped uh, or why you were starting to get put off by developing games for web and and mobile i think you said yeah um I think I actually stopped playing games themselves and that stopped being a source of inspiration. I think I, I kind of got into a rut where I was kind of playing similar games. I've been playing and trying to write games since I was 10 years old. So it was kind of a, a you know, a thing that I've been doing most of my life. Mm. And uh, the, the, I guess the last few games, maybe I just chose poor games. I was, you know, I didn't have that as much time as I used to. So I was, I was trying to get into games and just finding that they were kind of really the same experiences over and over again and somewhat formulaic um again it might have just been me choosing the wrong titles um but it it just uh i mean one thing that kind of um made my interest in games last a little bit longer before the um before the the vr thing was um i started playing around with uh three screens you know the triple head setup thing Uh and also and also with um What's it called? Free track, which is a um, it's a thing that uh, tracks your head movements. And um, I found that this, even if I played a a, a sort of very formulaic game, uh, the fact that uh, my entire field of view was um, covered by having three big screens in front of me, and also the fact that it was tracking where I was looking, I think uh, that level of immersion sort of sparked my interest again and made me realize that, um, you know, even the most simple and perhaps even jaded experience can be a whole new uh, thing yeah. uh, if you increase the level of immersion. And and this was slightly before the, the Oculus Rift uh, came into my hands. And so I had a slight um, inkling that if, if you could somehow increase the immersion, um, it would it would be a, a you know a, a a more interesting experience than perhaps it had been for the last you know fifteen years or whatever. Can you name some of your the most influential games that you can remember playing? Um, what are some of the, the games that you've that have influenced you the most? Um, I think my my all time favorite game is probably System Shock Two. Um, I've never it's heard of it. Could you tell? Can you describe that game, please? Yeah, it's a sort of um, um, it's a first-person shooter, stroke RG, R- RPG, uh, sci-fi setting. Uh, you're the last survivor on a on a starship. Um, again, all these things sound really formulaic, but they really had a they really nailed the atmosphere and the storytelling elements in it. Mm. I, th- I think it was by the same uh, studio that did Thief, the Thief series, mm-hmm. or there's some connection anyway. Um, it was just, uh, it was just, it, the atmosphere really pulled you in. It was just a, a, an awesome storytelling experience and a really atmospheric game. 
Uh, I would love to see something like that in VR. Um, I don't know. There's just so many games that I've played over the years that I guess, you know, they stay with you somehow and they influence you. But I'm having a real tough time choosing one or two. I mean, everything from, I guess, most recently Skyrim. Like, I think that was a really... Um, even on a screen, that was a really immersive experience. I really liked the way they sort of uh, pull you into this huge, explorable world with uh, interesting characters to interact with and um, just places that you, you just want to walk around in and admire the scenery, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Skyrim? Like go, sorry. sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I like really simple games, like shooting games as well. I, I, I really used to be into... Um, the original Medal of Honor games, the, the the ones where they were set in World War Two, because mm-hmm. I have a thing for World War Two as well. Um, and I guess obvious to say, I, I, I quite I quite liked uh, Flight Simulator, those sort of games as well. Cool. Skyrim was one of those games. Then I now that I think about it, I didn't spend a lot of. The most I've ever played Skyrim was like two to three hours, and the reason why it's because. Like just what you said earlier, it's so immersive, even without an HMD. That like, it's like uh, you ever heard of the the Chronicles of Narnia, the the that movie based on the book. Well, basically, yes. it's so so playing Skyrim to me, it's like uh, it's like peeking through the wardrobe, and yeah. and then like and then you're, you for me, I was just like I was just scared. I was like, oh my god, there's a whole another world on the other side of the wardrobe and I don't have the time <laughs> to like spend all my life, like I to spend a huge chunk of my life in there. Like I have, you know, I, I was going through, I was in college, so I was trying to get through shit, you know, finals <laughs> and, and exams and no, stuff. I, I but, agree with you hundred percent. I, I purposely <laughs> stayed away from the main quest in that game because I knew that it would just absorb my entire life. So I just kind of skirted around a bit and then I, I really didn't go for the, the whole experience because I knew I would just lose my, my entire, um, life in there yeah i know it's a good game i know it's a, yeah, yeah. i mean it's a really good game I mean, well, from what i played but it's man how do you you know that's another thing that i think about like it, how did the game developers think about the the time of their audience like you know do you just not care did you just you just i'm just gonna build something awesome and no matter how long it takes you to beat it you know, I'm, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to build it. Or do you think they're cognizant of, you know, the market value of creating an eight-hour an eight game versus a 60-hour game? Like, what do you think? I think the latter. I think, um, I mean, it's 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 sold in ridiculous numbers, hasn't it? And I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you read people that are really into it and the number of, you know, they're in triple-digit hours of, uh, you know, the amount of time they put into it, even when it was just first first released. Yeah. I mean, I haven't looked at the stats recently, but it was just people were spending huge amounts of time on it. And it seems like everybody on the planet has a, at least one copy of it, you know. So uh, it seems to be topping the lists of the, the Steam sales, you know, even years after it's been released. And people are modding for it. There's a huge community. So, um, I mean, they, that, that company, they've been doing that for quite a number of years. And I think they realized that, you know providing uh, that kind of immersive experience with with a lot of replay value you know something that people are gonna you know play for a very long time you know uh, years yeah. um certainly sells well so let's talk about combat helicopter because it's overdue <laughs> mm-hmm. i should have asked you about this a while ago but yeah let's no, yep. what, what's the influence how did you come about with the idea where did it come from well, um, I've always been fascinated with the idea of flying in real life, but I've never had a flying lesson. I've never actually done it, except for you know being a passenger in a plane and whatnot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I played a few um, flight simulators on the PC, which were kind of okay. Um, when I first um, had some time to start developing with uh, DK1, I started experimenting with um, flying experiences, and I was uh, trying to recreate real-life places using satellite uh, imagery and um, elevation data. And I quickly found that, like, at least for me, just flying around a place that you um, actually recognized was just an incredible amount of fun. Mm. I guess I was fulfilling something that I'd always wanted to do in real life, you know, be a pilot. Um, so it was, uh, you know, that that kept me occupied for, for weeks, months probably. And I was thinking that I would really like to develop something along these lines, but doing a full-blown flight simulator just isn't feasible for one person working on their own. So um, I needed to kind of come up with an idea that incorporated that flight because it was really inspiring to me, but also make it a game that I could, you know, realistically develop on my own and and finish in a reasonable timescale. So basically, I just took the idea of flying and added um, blowing things up, really, and <laughs> uh, and there you have it. That is a um, that is a, a game-winning formula if I ever heard one. Uh, <laughs> but I want you know I want to know about your like your your as an individual developer. What are some of your constraints? Um, you know, like how do you how do you get the audio? How do you get the models? How do you get you know where do you get the scripts? You know, or and and you know how how do you get around the um, maybe you are a genius. You know, designer slash programmer that can do everything, but how do you get around your own weaknesses in terms of creating, you know, this very complex thing, which is a game? Well, the biggest uh, hurdle for me is the artwork. It's uh, I'm not a I'm not a, an artist by any means. I'm not a modeler. I'm not a texture. Um, so that's kind of uh, my downfall. Um, fortunately, I was I was working with somebody a few months ago. Um, very briefly for for a couple of weeks, and he's the guy that did the uh, actual helicopter model that you can actually play in the demo. Cool. Um, the other stuff in there, I just kind of had to teach myself. Unfortunately, he does a lot of mobile stuff, and he was busy, and so he um, he had to stop working with me on that. And uh, I've I've been out of touch with him for a while, um, so I've kind of had to. Um, plot on the best I can and do do what I can. Um, I've tried to teach myself a few things about modeling and texturing, and I'm, I suppose I'm getting better at it as I go along. But um, I guess the fact, uh, one of the things about the game being kind of low detail and low fidelity is, is um, obviously the advantage is that it runs really smooth and efficiently. But I guess it's also covering up the fact that I'm not actually very good at uh, creating art assets. But um, I don't know, I'll, I'll keep uh, emailing people occasionally and seeing if they're interested in joining. The problem is that most of the people I contact, most of the artists that I contact, they, they haven't actually tried VR. Hmm. And I think if they they had tried it, they would be a bit more excited about it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's another that's another hurdle. Like um, VR is definitely something that can't be put into words. Like it's when you're trying to get people to um, be, get involved, it's, yeah, you have to... You have to throw them in there. You gotta throw exactly. them in the deep end of the pool. Um, <clears throat> yeah, talking about that idea of of being able to be a pilot and fly. Um, that is, I'm on the same. We're in the same vein here because I I've never taken a flight lesson. I've oh, the only flying I've ever done were on planes, and um, it, it's just. And if I were, if I were, if 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 someone asked me, Chris, what an, if you could be an animal, what animal would you be? 
and I would say a peregrine falcon, because those motherfuckers can dive at 180 kilometers per hour, the fastest animal on planet Earth, and that I think that we know of, unless there's an insect that can, you know, fly faster, but that is, that's insane, and I've always wanted that, you know, because flying, to me, equals freedom, you know, why, what were you aiming for? Are you, are you aiming for realism in terms of the mechanics? Are you aiming for, you know, the freedom of the of fantasy? You know, what's, what's your long-term goal for the, for the project? Um, I guess all of the above. I, I really, personally, I just like flying around in, in, in the world that I sort of create. Um, and when I was thinking about, um, trying to do some, Thing specifically for VR, obviously you've got the head look mechanic, and that just it just seemed to fit perfectly with you know helicopter gunships and, and aiming the, the the main weapon with mm -hmm. uh, with your gaze by by looking at it. Mm -hmm. um, the um, the thing that really appeals to me is basically, as you said, the freedom of flight. I just I, I you know I can sometimes I can just fly the thing around without actually shooting at anything, and just it's just such a relaxing experience for mm -hmm. me. But um, I think putting in the the shooting mechanic and the uh, the uh, the missions and whatnot that kind of makes it a more um, goal oriented project, if you know. What I mean, it, it, I don't think many people uh, like yourself or like me are crazy about just flying around and having this sense of freedom and exploration. I think there would be uh, more people interested in it when you have the shooting and the explosions and stuff like that, which is fair enough. And, and I enjoy that as well. So I kind of combine both these aspects into the, into the project. If I can add a little bit of storytelling in there as well, maybe then that would be the ideal project. And that's kind of what I'm aiming for. Yeah. I, you know, I gotta, I'm, I'm going to challenge you on that, on that idea of, 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 of people wanting just explosions. And, and, and I gotta say, you're probably right. I think you're right. I think people really want explosions and shit blowing up. But but there was a game back in the old days, back when I was uh, making my get off my lawn um, uh, kind of days. It called uh, the flying no pilot wings for Nintendo 64. And that game had no. It was just a flying simulator, sort of like you're just exploring. And all you have to do, I think, I think if I remember correctly, you have to like go through rings and just get through the get through the rings i mean is that do you think that you do you envision putting missions like that like where people are just flying through a a, a, a set parameter area um without crashing because i gotta say just piloting the helicopter in and out of itself is really fun and challenging like um so i mean what do you think do you think it's uh it's more about the explosions or is it or, or is there creative freedom to be had with, with flying? Well, it's funny that you mention that because just as I was about to release the demo, I was thinking what sort of missions should I put in it because, you know, I didn't want to put too little in it. I didn't want to put too much in it. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll have a couple of little flying things where you just sort of fly around following waypoints or following a, a flight leader or whatever. And I should have at least one mission where you're actually blowing stuff up. And it occurred to me well, as I was designing the actual um, – demo itself i thought that uh, you know I, I personally was having more fun with the actual flying things and it occurred to me that maybe i should just split the project into two and have one game as you say that would be kind of all about the flying and and maybe you know flying through rings following waypoints or doing sort of non 
shooting type missions and then just having one being the sort of more shoot 'em up side of things and that that's something that's still in my head right now because uh i think um both experiences are kind of uh underdeveloped in the in the vr thing right now mm. and i think uh i would enjoy doing the 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 purely flight mechanic thing myself personally but i've done a lot of work in the shooting side of things as well so it would be a shame to waste that so i think it would be quite easy for me to split the project into two different types of games and and, and i am considering doing that hmm. um i'm not sure i'll see how the feedback goes and continues yeah yeah i'm yeah I'm, i i hope uh yeah i hope you nail down what it is because i'm i th- I think you could do both. You could do a game that encompasses... It kind of reminds me of... And you were mentioning earlier how there's a game... There's there's these games out there that everybody buys. And I got Grand Theft Auto V because I was like, fuck, it's, I don't want to feel like Grandpa. I need to I need to get with the time, see what the kids are playing. And uh, I've been playing Grand Theft Auto V. And in that same vein, they're... One of their strong points is in the fact that their missions can be varied, um, can vary very much. Like, you know, you go from uh, you go from <laughs> taking pictures of a celebrity's uh, crotch uh, as a paparazzi <laughs> while riding a motorcycle to to working a crane at a cargo ship yard. That's like that's a huge range, and that diversity of different tasks i think adds uh, a, a good amount of immersion to the game itself so i wonder i mean if the, if there's a, a way to encompass both you know to encompass it at that freedom of flying and, and exploration with fuck shit up sort of um aspects of of game of games um but we'll see i i hope i hope you nail it i hope whatever you go with i'm 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 on your side um and let's move on to <clears throat> what about you know like your tools that you're using what are what are you using to develop this game um using unity okay that's the main thing anything else besides unity like audio or uh, modeling programs um using 3d studio max but i'm not particularly good at that but it kind of um it's there i'm using something called uh world machine which uh helps you make um realistic terrains and you can import them into unity and use them as uh unity terrains um sound i'm using a very old program called gold wave just to chop up and uh compress sounds mm. um i um the thing I, I mentioned storytelling. I'm trying to do. Um, I would love to have more voices and acting in it. And I tried to. <laughs> I tried to do this myself with a with a microphone, and I tried to kind of um, emulate a pilot's voice and, and and have some sort of dialogue and conversations going on. But I just found out really quickly that this was. Uh, I just didn't have any talent for this. So I I started playing around with uh, speech synthesizers to get um, to get voices in there. Um, so that's so your I'm voice. Just, is that the voice? Like, is that your voice? The one uh, in the beginning of the of the game? No, that's all speech synthesizers. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that's awesome. And no, but like that was your voice that you recorded, and then use the speech synthesizer, and then throw it in the game. 
or or is that someone else that you got to say those words? No, no, no. The the, the whole thing is completely artificial. It's uh, just uh, you type in a bit of text, and the oh, speech uh, the, the software spits out the the WAV, the, the MP3 file. Yes, text to speech. Okay. Yes, that sort of thing. Yeah. Awesome. But, yeah, sorry, I was like, whoa, holy crap! How did you turn your voice into a a womanly robot? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, believe me, I tried the voice acting thing myself because I thought, you know, how hard can it be to pretend you're a pilot and um, you're getting shot at by a tank or whatever. And uh, I, honestly, I just sounded abysmal. I have no acting skills whatsoever. And uh, I had to give up on that really quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, man, that's a that's a lot of hats you try to you're trying to wear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't even try to pretend. Um, uh, Mayday, mayday. No, not even. Stop it, Chris. Stop it. That's stupid. <laughs> Why am I even trying? Um, let's talk about what What about um, Unity and multiplayer? You know, is there a possibility that this game might see a multiplayer aspect to it? Or is it just too much for, for one man uh, to, to take on? And I, I understand. I mean, it's completely okay. Well, that's definitely the dream, um, and I've had a few requests or uh, people saying you should definitely take this into multiplayer, and I would love to do it. Um, my goal is right now is to get this done as a complete game before um, the CV1 comes out, the, the Consumer Rift comes out. Um, so for at least the first version, I have to keep the scope as, um, as manageable as possible. So I'm going to make it a single player just because of the, for, for that main reason uh, initially, and after I've released it, if it seems to be something that people enjoy playing, um, then yeah, I would definitely love to experiment with um, adding multiplayer support. So as a as a long term goal, definitely. Um, but as the uh, for the first version, uh, probably um, I wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't be wise to try and do that just now. When you say a full version of the game, what is what do you what does that look like? Um, is it is it like a twenty twelve twelve to twenty mission game with eight hours of gameplay? Um, what do you think? Um, something of that order of magnitude, probably a bit more. I'm I'm looking to do maybe thirty missions um, with lots of uh, different kind of areas. So um, maybe every every five missions it changes the scenery completely, um, changes the type of helicopter that you're flying, um, and of course every mission and every scenario is going to be different. And I'm hoping that there'll be an ongoing story from the first mission to the end, and um, just trying to introduce um, little differences as the player progresses through the whole thing. So. Um, you know, keeping it simple at the beginning and then adding new types of enemies as the player uh, progresses through the missions. But I'm hoping to have, um, yeah, about 30 missions, maybe more. Are, are you still going to be aiming for that the military style uh, realism? So am I in the full version of the game? Will I be shooting? Will I be going head to head in in helicopter dogfights with the AI and maybe? shooting off you know getting shot at by jets or something what's uh what's... yeah basically what you've seen in the demo is kind of the the general idea um some stuff that you, that isn't in the demo would be yes um ai uh aircraft particularly other gunships um i have a training mission where you're trying to shoot down drones um maybe some jets in there if i can make it feasible um 
But the main thing um, is that I need to kind of, I'm working on a, a weapon system for air-to-air combat. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to have that in the final game. I'm still sort of experimenting with that. Um, yeah, so similar ideas, but, you know, with with more sort of different types of uh, opponents and allies. Cool. And uh, in terms of, so it's gonna stay, it's gonna stay grounded in realism though. Like it's, there's, I'm not gonna see aliens and flying pandas. I, I don't, or should we try to see something like that? <laughs> well, well, I wasn't planning to, but now that you've said flying pandas, you've got, uh, you've got me thinking. That sounds like a, a great idea. Um, you take it, take it, please. Uh, thank you, thank you. I'm, free I'm of charge, free of charge. Um, <laughs> what about? Uh, Here's the thing. Um, so I, I take it you want to monetize with this game. How do you, how do you decide how much to charge? Um, I haven't really decided how much it's going to be because I, I, I don't know how big the final game is. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the the only reasonable way to do that is to to wait until I think that it's a good enough product to put out there, and then sort of look at what else is available that gives you a similar sort of experience um and i guess charge accordingly but you know certainly it's not going to be um extremely expensive i would i would i would be aiming at like 20 bucks at the most 20 us dollars at the most for something like this but again it depends on you know how far i take it i mean i have all these ideas that i have to kind of uh reject because they they either make the project too too big or too long or whatever so depends what actually gets distilled into the final game that's a good point you bring up like uh how do you decide what to keep and what to not bring along in terms of your timing i mean how much time do you think you have Uh, at this point i feel like it's anyone's guess as to when cv1 is going to come out so what what sort of time frame are you giving yourself um I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm thinking that something's going to happen in the next six months with a consumer release. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, a lot of people are saying December of next year, but I don't think it's going to be that long. So I'm, I'm sort of in the back of my head. I'm thinking that as a time frame. The other thing that I haven't really mentioned is that, um, and this of course makes things uh, more difficult for me, is I'm actually juggling two. VR game projects at the moment, and I'm hoping to have them both released in time for CV1. So the the helicopter one is is um, is is only half of what I'm working on. So keeping both these projects and juggling back and forth between them is kind of the probably the least efficient way of doing something, but it, it allows me to um, to um, play around with you know different ideas that I, I I really enjoy tinkering with in VR. Are you at liberty to speak about what the other project is? Sure, yeah, it's it's just a it's it's a simple-ish uh, off-road racing game basically. So you're kind of driving around in buggies and um, doing um, going over courses that involve um, high jumps and lots of collisions. It's a very demolition-themed, violent racing game basically. Huh. Kind of, kind of like uh, that one PlayStation game that I don't remember at this point, but it had as as it has a clown driving around in an ice cream truck. Um, uh, I forgot the name, but it, that sort of rings to mind when you say um, off-road multiplayer. Is it gonna? I, I already put words into your mouth. There, is it gonna be multiplayer? <laughs> <laughs> 
well, same answer that I gave before. I would love to have it as multiplayer, but I mm-hmm. really need to keep it, um, you know, doable within the next uh, five or six months. So first version single player. Yeah. And uh, if it's if it's uh, something that um, seems to be people are enjoying, then yeah, definitely multiplayer would be cool. Yeah. Well, how do you fund this? What are you? What's your? Uh, how are you? How are you surviving in life? In, on planet earth as you move forward and develop because i feel like you're doing this full time i mean if, from what it sounds like but but maybe i'm wrong what's it how do you how are you doing this do you mean financially yeah financially and time wise okay um well uh when i was doing the the web development games the the web game stuff i kind of got used to being uh, self-employed mm-hmm. so anything that i earned i sort of as much as possible i saved money because you never know you know um how things are going to be from month to month when you're self-employed so i saved up um some money doing that and um when i moved to greece uh, my girlfriend and i started a business here um which didn't really start as a business it was more like a hobby but it started, it kind of grew and so we're we're kind of uh earning our living out of that um and then <clears throat> when i started uh, playing around with dk1 um, fortunately, I was in this situation where I didn't really need to rely on uh, on that to 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 survive. So I'm kind of treating it as um, a bit of a luxury, in the sense that I can develop what I want to develop, and I don't have to sort of try and think about getting contracts out of it or trying to make sure that I sell like you know X number of copies to survive. There's I I don't have that practice because I, I have the other thing that I'm doing with my girlfriend. Um, and um, I would just be very happy if I if I broke even with it, If in terms of like actually selling a final product. It's not um, something I'm doing to kind of get rich by any means. It's just something that I really enjoy doing. I think it's, um, it's a very fulfilling thing as a developer, um, having a lot of fun doing it. And, and yeah, fortunately, I, ca- I, I can do it uh, without having to worry about earning a living out of it. Do you have a long-term strategy going into this? Are you trying to find a job in a VR company? Are you trying to start your own VR company? Um, what What are your goals long-term wise? Um, not really any sort of uh, concrete goals other than just sort of develop the best uh, games that I possibly can at the moment, trying to get in there early and trying to kind of um, just enjoy myself really. Um I did the the whole company thing back when I was doing the web games. Of I, you know, I did uh, I did form a company in in the UK, and I I did all that as as my career for a number of years, and um, you know that worked out well enough for me. But right now, as 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 it is, I treat it as a as a as a discipline that you know you need to put the number of hours in, and you need to treat it as a software engineering uh, project, and and be kind of. Um, really focused on, on, on what you're doing and getting it done. Um, but it's not really something I'm thinking about. I mean, I would love to kind of, yeah, maybe get a job in, 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 in the future in VR, but I don't really need to. And so that doesn't drive me. Mm. How do you, how, what does, what does your, what does your process look like when you're getting stuff done? Are you, are you putting on, put it on a checklist? Are you just, you know, going at it out of, from the ether? Like what's your, What's your strategy there? No, the the checklist thing is a must for me. I have to um, I have to make a list of things that I need to do, 
Um, and when I play the game and it, I come up with a bug, I really I have to I have to make a note of it right away because otherwise I can forget it and things can get so complicated that um, if if I don't um, write things down and, and and make a plan as to how I'm going to deal with things on a daily basis, then uh, I would I, I personally would never get anywhere. So yeah, I have to really um, do the checklist thing. Is there something that you've learned about VR or developing for VR that you that sort of has caught you by surprise in the last you know year or so? How long have you, by the way? How long have you been developing for VR? I mean, DK One came out March twenty thirteen, I want to guess. So when did you start actually going at it? Uh, sometime between. I'm really bad with dates, but it, it was the spring of 2013, so shortly after the date that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. The first thing I did was, uh, do you remember that VR jam thing that uh, Oculus did with IndieCade? Yeah. I think that was August August 2013. That's when I actually started writing something for real because I, uh, I was involved in that. Cool. And what was... Do you remember the question that I asked you before that? <laughs> I asked you. I, I always ask like these double questions, and goddamn, I forgot the first question now. <laughs> um, um, you're asking me. It's like twelve o'clock midnight here, and my brain is uh, kind of fried. But uh, I think it was. No, I don't. I've forgotten. It you know what? Don't worry about it. I am uh, ashamed <laughs> and terribly embarrassed <laughs> for that. No, um, don't worry about it. Thanks. I should be writing down the questions. To be honest, I'm I'm a terrible interviewee. I'm sure of it. No, no, you're doing you're doing amazing, good sir. Um, I'm having a blast. Um, it's it's it, it's me that I'm I'm slipping. Wow. Um. So, uh, VR company funding time. Yeah. How, checklist. Uh, where did you find like uh the idea for a helicopter game? Period. Like, why the helicopter mechanic and not like a jet? Not a a bird or, or, or another form of flying mechanic? Um, well, I think uh, I, already, I already mentioned that putting in a, some kind of uh, shooting mechanic in there was a way of taking something that might have been a huge project like a flight simulator and, and distilling it down into something more arcadey and more manageable by one person. Um, in terms of the helicopter versus the jets or World War One biplanes or... World War II Spitfires or what have you. I think it was just um, the um, the machine gun mechanic. The fact that you know, I think real pilots they actually look at something and that's where the gun aims. And just because it was specifically for VR, that just seemed like a natural, perfect fit. And so I went with the helicopter gunship thing. That's really smart because that's something that you can't do any any with any other platform. Like I can't imagine doing that with a monitor even if it had head tracking like i could i don't know if it would be just it would be it would feel just as good as it does with the rift so that's really smart you you went with that route is it is it something that you've learned off of from someone else or or, or did you just um you know come up with the mechanic on your own um i think I'm not sure which came first, if I sort of started playing with my own sort of ideas first or, but I'm sure I've played at least one other DK1 demo where it was based in space and you could sort of look around and shoot, but I can't remember if I stole their idea or if it was uh, the other way around. Um, oh, wait a minute, actually, I, I seem to remember when I was, uh, I mentioned the, the triple monitor setup with uh, track IR, which tracks your head. 
I remember there was a game called um, Apache Aerosol or something like that, and they actually supported this head look mechanic. And I think you could actually sort of turn your head and aim the guns. I think that was actually in that game. I have to look that up. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think I can completely claim that as being my own idea, although it is a sort of kind of obvious thing to do once you have head tracking capabilities. I don't think I was the first one to come in with it. I've uh, I've asked a few indie developers about this, and I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, when the when the big publishers start pushing content for VR that you know at a um, at a faster pace, you know, how are you going to adapt? Is it is that does that does that specter of competition worry you? To be Perfectly honest, I think what's going to happen at that point is I'm going to probably stop developing and just start playing all their games. I think I'm just going to get sucked into it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like... That, that is... <laughs> you know, you're, you're the first person to say that. Like, like I, 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 I've heard others say, like, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way. We have advantages. Indie developers can, or, or, or can you know, prototype faster and... And and yeah, all power to them. But you're the first guy who says, you know, I'm just just gonna play the games. That's uh, terribly honest, and I like that. I don't. <laughs> um, I think uh, to be honest, the, the the genres that I'm working in, I think uh, once the big publishers start working in that area, there's you know, there's just going to be no competition. They will win hands down, and 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 that's okay. I think indie developers, as indeed um, indie developers for traditional uh, computer games as opposed to VR games uh, will thrive in that they will always be the ones that come up with the innovative gameplay mechanics. They'll be willing to experiment more. And um, to be honest, I'm also uh, looking forward to trying a bit of that once I get these two games done and out of the way. Um, I think there'll be a, a narrow gap. I hope there'll be a narrow gap where, where indie developers will be able to thrive. Um, but as I said previously, I don't really... Um, uh, I'm not really um, doing this uh, with any ambitions to sort of compete with anyone. I'm just doing it more for my own amusement at the moment. And and um, as long as that lasts, that's great. Yeah. So you don't, you don't, you're not carrying a D and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, are you, do you feel like you're carrying this, this pressure in on, on your shoulders to put something out because I might make a living with this or, or are you, are you just, Totally being carefree about it. What's your... Um, a bit of both. I mean, there's only a slight amount of pressure, at least financially, just because I want to, at some point soon, like I think within the next three weeks, my Unity trial license thing is going to expire. I'm going to have to drop, you know, what is it, $1,500, $1,500 or something. I'm going to have to um, either decide if I'm going to stay with the free version or or, or buy the uh, pro version. Um, if, if I can... You know, if I if I actually um, make that back, that would that would be great. Anything on top of that would be would be just uh, gravy. Would be a bonus. But um, I don't feel pressure financially to try and get something out just because I want to make lots of money out of it. That's um, kind of really not even an issue for me. Um, I'm I'm lucky enough to be able to kind of do this as a hobby, a fairly serious hobby. I mean, I'm I am fairly kind of. Uh, treating it in a very disciplined way because I do want to get a game out or two games out before CV1. But there's no financial pressure there. 
Cool. Uh, you said Unity is fifteen hundred dollars for the Pro version. Um, is is that? Am I, are we on the same page? Because I feel like I thought they announced that Unity Five is going to be free with Oculus support native. Uh, so, yeah, am I missing something, or are we? No, you're not missing anything. That's uh, that's actually true. But uh, with uh, the free version, you um, there are some things that you don't get access to. Uh, oh. Some of the things being uh, real-time uh, dynamic shadows. Uh, the other thing is, uh, excuse me, something called render to texture. Um, and both the games that I'm working on, you could get away with uh, not having these issues. And there are other features, which I won't go into, that you don't get with Unity Free. Um, but these are the two main ones that concern me. Um, with respect to the, the helicopter game, um, for example, the you know the, the the screen that's in front of you where you um, you get another view of the world. I don't know because uh, mm. I don't actually use it in the demo yet, but there there are some weapon systems that make use of that. Nice. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's like a TV screen in front of you. Yeah, there is in the cockpit. Yeah, that wouldn't be possible, for example, in Unity Free. Um, and some of the weapons that I'm thinking about uh, in, um, having in the in the full game would. Would, would really need to use that screen. For example, uh, you'd be able to guide um, air-to-air missiles or air-to-ground missiles using that screen and, and aiming that way. Um, and also you can sort of zoom in and out and use the, 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 the cannon from much further ranges and stuff like that. So none of that stuff would be possible in Unity 3. Um, so it's just a question of whether I think these things um, should be included in the full game. And um, I'm thinking probably they will be, but as I, I said, it's, it's, it's a bit of an investment to... Yeah. To commit. Yeah. I want to get your opinion on um, on on Unity Free. I mean, is it is it possible to create a compelling VR experience um, that'll get 4.5 ratings on Oculus Share with with just Unity Free? Is it enough or or no? What do you think? Well, idealistically, I'd love to say yes. Um, because I think the best things about VR is that it's just about your imagination and what, what, what you want to experience or what you want your user to experience. And it shouldn't be about graphics or whatnot. However, in the real world, it seems that, you know, I, I follow a lot of, um, games and demos and, and people's reactions to them. And it, it, it does seem to be perfectly bluntly honest that the ones that have a lot of eye candy, the ones that look almost photorealistic or the ones that have really well-made art assets, they seem to be extremely popular. Um, so with Unity Free, you're kind of restricted. And in, in, uh, I mean, the shadows is a big thing right there. But um, I think if you have a really good idea, I think if you uh, can come up with something that doesn't rely too much on visuals, if you have uh, an idea that nobody else is really working on, then, yeah, you can definitely make a big impact with Unity 3. Um, but otherwise, there is a lot of uh, sort of uh, bias towards things that look very, very pretty at the moment. Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind. Sense of Peso is one of them. Windlands is, is another one. They, they just look gorgeous. Um, and yeah, and they're in Windlands' case, the mechanic, the gameplay mechanics is is awesome too. So yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point you bring up. Um, and so does that mean that the that you know you're gonna have to if you want to develop for VR, you're gonna have to drop some dough <laughs> and then is that like um 
But I mean, I guess if you're already buying a DK2, I'm already answering my own question. Like if you're buy already buying a, a DK2, like you already know what the implications are. Like you're going to have to spend money on software, peripherals. And speaking of peripherals, what is the intended or ideal input that you like for your game? Um, well, at the moment, <clears throat> uh, look, can I just go back to the Unity thing? Um, yeah, of course. The in terms of being a developer and needing to spend a lot of money, it's not necessarily the case because you also have the you know we were we were just focusing on Unity because that's what I'm using, but there there is the option of UDK as well. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget that. So that's kind of um, you know if you're not making any money out of the game, then uh, you know the engine is uh, entirely free to use. I think um, so. There is that option. Um, yeah. Sorry, I forgot your second question. In this, question. well, that's no. Well, let's stick to this for a second, just a little bit, uh -huh. because and then I'll ask you about peripheral, um, not oh, peripheral, yeah. but input. Um, yeah, like you could you could buy a subscription for Unreal Engine four, and like let's figure out like what is the cheapest way to make a game for VR, right? Uh, a compelling one. I would say I would go with you Unreal Engine four, because uh, the consensus from what i from the people i've been talking talking to they is they've been saying that unreal engine 4 and i can see it too like i have ue4 um looks prettier than unity and so my bet for me for example like in developing vr like some some things i've been playing with i went the ue4 route because of the specifically that the eye candy you know what i can't do with programming uh instances and events I'll make it up with eye candy and pretty shit to look at. Um, and so, is there a, a better way? Is there, you know, can you, could you use compelling, addictive, could you create compelling and addictive VR experiences, you know, cheaper than that? Does it get any cheaper than 19 bucks a month? Or Well, I think, um, I guess it, it just, it's it's a it's a huge debate, isn't it? Unity versus um, Unreal. Yeah, it is. Um, I think I, I think actually it's it's cheaper than what you say because I think you can actually legally uh, license it for one month and pay the twenty dollars, and then if you don't want the updates, you're you're allowed to cancel your subscription, so to speak, but you're still legally allowed to use the engine. That's true. So I think I think you can get away with a one payment twenty dollars, and um, and you're good to go, and then you can just resubscribe when you want the updates i think don't quote me on that but that, i think that's the way it works with them um and i agree with you it seems that uh right out of the box that engine uh at least with uh current versions of uni uh is 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 way better it just looks more photorealistic the lighting is just uh, a beautiful thing to look at but apparently with with unity 5 um they're trying to address that and they're trying to make uh unity look a little bit prettier so i don't know i haven't had uh the chance to experiment with that but um um yeah possibly that's gonna uh, become you know level off the playing fields i'm not sure though yeah uh, well, let's move on to input I, and i'd like to get your thoughts on that like what is the what what's the intended slash ideal input for combat helicopter well right now I'm, I'm focusing mostly on the xbox 360 controller because that is the controller that absolutely everybody uses in vr just because they're ubiquitous and they are um pretty reliable they work they work well and you can get wireless versions of them which is great for vr as well um ideally i should be supporting the um 
the um, HOTAS thing, which I forget what that stands for, Hands on Throttle and Stick, which is something that um, flight sim enthusiasts use. So probably in the next version of the demo, I will be um, supporting that. But that's something that, you know, not everybody has. So it's been a, a lower priority up, up until this point, but people have requested it since I released the demo. So it makes sense. Um, uh, there is keyboard and mouse support, but that's kind of, that's a bit flaky. And I just put that in there just in case people wanted to play the game and they didn't have uh, a 360 controller. But really, if, you, if you're playing around with the Oculus Rift, that's, that is the uh, controller you should have. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I use, and it's uh, I like it. it. It gets the job done. It works. Um, in terms of the, including Hotas, the the um, the flight stick, you know, what's the what's the challenge with that? Like, isn't there a bunch of companies creating different flight sticks, and do you need an SDK for every single one of those, or do you, you know, is there a standard? What's uh, how does that look? Well, the biggest challenge right now is the fact that I don't actually have one. <laughs> so <laughs> the first job is to actually buy one and uh, and then I can start supporting it. I think I don't think it will be much of an issue other than um, plugging it in and um, maybe spending 30 minutes just um, making sure that it's um, uh, being read by Unity and um, mapping the uh, various axes. I, I, I assume that that's the case. I don't think it'll be a big challenge. It's just the fact that I don't physically have one in my in my house at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping that I won't have to buy tons of these things because some of these things are like, like uh, you know, you get the you get the top end of them and they're like, you know, $400 a, a piece, you know. I think they'll, I, I hope it'll be just a question of just getting one of them and they'll all just work, I hope. But uh, I haven't done it yet, so it's all guesswork. Yeah, I hope that I hope it turns out to get cheap. It turns out to be a cheap thing for you to do. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, so helicopter, why did you? Um, why is there no pilot avatar yet? Or will the will there ever be a, a pilot avatar? Is there is there a design? Um, uh, is there a do you want yeah like is there a design reason for why there's no pilot yet? Uh, there's a technical reason. Do you want the technical reason or do you want the simple reason? <laughs> uh, let's do. Let's go both. <laughs> All right. Um, the I'll try and combine them both into one answer. Uh, the there is a pilot. Uh, I took him out for the uh, for the demo that I released because um, there's a thing which I forget the name of. It's kind of an issue with uh, games uh, where you have to be able to see over long distances. Um, if I quickly Google, because I forget what the, I think it's a floating, it's a floating point precision error. Anyway, the idea is that if you have a camera in a virtual world, um, it turns out that if you want to see far distances, uh, without creating artifacts, uh, you, you need to set your camera such that the back clip plane is, uh, far away from the, from, from your eye. So, um, Sorry, it's, it's very late at night as well, and my brain's a bit fried. Um, okay. So the uh, <clears throat> so what happens is if you if you don't do that, in other words, if you have the the camera backplane uh, closer to you, it uh, means that things far away don't look quite right. They flicker, and you get these kind of strange artifacts. So uh, because it's a helicopter game, you really want the user to be able to see far away things and and have them not look weird. So I've gone for that. Um, 
if I did have the pilot's body in that demo, it would basically uh, clip uh, your own body um, very far away from your eye point. In other words, if you looked down at your, your own uh, torso, for example, the camera would stop drawing, let's say, from your elbow and up. So you would be able to see your legs and maybe a bit of your stomach, but if you looked at your own shoulder, it just wouldn't be there. Um, there is a solution to this by having two cameras render uh, the world at the same time. One camera renders only the close stuff, in other words, the cockpit and your pilot's body, and the other camera would render the far away stuff, and you combine those uh, two views to get the, um, the proper uh, expected view. Um, but up until uh, very recently, there was a bug in, um, in VR, at least I think it was a bug in VR, where if you had these two camera systems, it just wouldn't work. And I believe that they fixed that now, but I haven't had time to actually re-implement that. So the, the, the pilot's body does uh, exist. It's not a particularly pretty uh, model yet, but it is there. Um, but in my driving game, I've got... Uh, uh, you, you can see your your own body there because it doesn't have to draw such far landscapes if you know what I mean in a driving game you're just basically drawing a track which is not you know uh, such a huge uh, terrain so in in the driving game you've got your own arms and you can look down at your legs and whatnot and it's cool because it's attached to the steering wheel and it's um it's quite a it's quite a, uh, immersive to see your own body interacting with the game like that so for the pilot thing i have to get the two camera system working which i think is 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 uh, working now as far as uh, the last time i read about that particular issue i just haven't had time to implement it so i disabled the body so you wouldn't be able to see through your own chest is this is this a is this an artifact of the of the hardware or is or is this problem because of of software like where where does the root of the problem lie to to get this uh issue nailed um it's to do with uh the um uh precision of floating point numbers basically um i i feel like i'm kind of rambling and i don't want to kind of get into it too much but it's a it's not it's not a hardware thing it's definitely not so it's it happens with um actually i was reading about some of the other vr games as well and they were um i'm trying to think of the titles of some of these things Anyway, any any game that has a, a far look distance, anything that's basically flight based, mm -hmm. um, the, you know, the the author will have come across this, and it's it's not just in VR, it's not a hardware thing, it's basically the way we represent numbers in uh, in uh, computers software. Interesting. Yeah, fifty percent of what you said in your explanation, I'll be honest, I didn't understand a thing you said. So, but but I'll go back and like listen to it and look for those keywords like. Um, you, like how the those numbers get crunched like i don't i don't i don't know how that works <laughs> um, well i can send you some links to clarify it and, and, and also um i i do i am aware of the fact that it is uh kind of uh me just rambling and not uh you know lack of sleep and all that kind of stuff probably not making a lot of sense so <laughs> someone out there your fault. it makes a hundred percent sense to someone out there uh, so so no worries and if you could uh, get those if I can get those links, that'd be great. So I can include them in the show notes and keep people can learn about that too. Um, oh. The other thing that I wanted to ask you more, just philosophically, you know, entering the realm of philosophy in VR, uh, how do you think people are going to react when they try out the consumer version of the Oculus Rift? I, I take it you tried Crescent Bay already, have you? Yes, I was. Uh, I tried it at the uh, Oculus Connect. Con <laughs> excuse me. I tried it at the Connect conference in uh, Hollywood in September. Yeah, I saw. I saw your 
picture. Sorry, I stalked you on Google Plus, but yes, <laughs> okay. I, I stalked you a bit as well. To okay, be okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we were there. We crossed paths, but if we didn't get to actually meet and meet space, unfortunately, it's all good. What was your impression when you tried Crescent Bay? What was your What were your thoughts? Uh, I was just completely floored. I just uh, I was just amazed at how far it had come in such a short number of months. I, I think I'd received my DK2 just about six weeks before I, I tried Crescent Bay, and I was expecting it to be better, but not on that level. I was just completely stunned, and I was my, my knees were shaking. I, I stayed in the demo room with the guy for like five minutes just talking to him and just trying to come off of this, um, this high that I was on. It was just a, an incredibly uh, exhilarating moment for me. Yeah, that it was. Uh, yeah, it was real. It was real. It was as real as it could get. It was crazy. And how do you think people are gonna react when they, when they try? You know, like the average person that's never probably heard of VR gets all of a sudden put this puts this thing on. You know, being CV one. What do you think the reaction they're gonna be? I can only imagine it's gonna be uh, my reaction and, and your reaction multiplied by at least ten because. Uh, People are not even expecting this thing to come yet. You know, the, the vast majority of people that you speak to don't know that this is coming. And if if uh, if Crescent Bay is your first experience, I, I can't even imagine uh, what effect that's going to have. You know, if this just comes out of nowhere and you just you just walk into a mall and somebody says, "Here, try this," and they've never tried VR, I, it, it's it's going to be borderline uh, religious experience for for people. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and do you, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's just I don't. I, I that's gonna be an in an interesting um, like social, like a, on a macro level, sociological experiment that we are all a part of. Like how how this this new entry to a whole new form of reality is uh, is is you know starting to take hold right now as we uh, as we speak it's crazy um is there is there can you give me any insights or have you ever have you had any thoughts about the evolution of the hmd like how do you think it will it'll evolve over the years well i guess everybody wants it to be smaller and less uh less uh geeky looking i suppose um if you could get it down to sunglasses that would that would be pretty amazing um in terms of the hmd though i'm i'm really happy with what it is because you know when you look at it it looks really unwieldy it looks really bulky and heavy and uncomfortable and, and you know i i can wear my dk2 for hours on end and it does you know I, as soon as i'm inside the world i just forget that it's it's there i forget that it's it's it's, it's a thing and i i uh, I don't know if it's just me, but I lose myself in, in the experience, and the, and the hardware kind of doesn't really uh, linger as an issue to me. But um, yeah, definitely, if they could make it smaller and lighter, that would be definitely a great thing. Yeah, I uh, don't want to leave things off on a dark note, but fuck it, let's go there. Let's talk about <laughs> addiction um, and how we are going to deal with this. Like, I think I think we're playing. I think we might be playing with fire. And I and it's inevitable that we do. I, there's no stopping this. So how do you, how, how you know, what are what do you think are the potential consequences of of like VR addiction? Will it will there ever be VR addiction? Do you think that this could be an addictive technology? First of all, 
Uh, most definitely. And to be honest, I'm probably going to be one of the first victims of VR addiction <laughs> once once the, the the consumer version comes out. If it's anything like Crescent Bay, it's going to be uh, so compelling. It's going to be so... I, I You know, I'm, I'm slightly scared at the same time as being excited. It's, it's just... Um, you know, people are not... You know, if you have like the slightest problem in your life or if you feel you know, something is lacking, VR is going to be like a drug. It's, it's going to, it's, it, it could take over people's lives. Uh, you know, to, you, you say you don't want to end on a dark note, but I mean, it, it is going to be a thing, isn't it? I mean, it's just such a, a form of escapism from, from, um, from everyday life that, you know, people are going to get sucked in and they're just going to want to stay there. I mean, I guess we have that to a certain extent with, um, with other things that you know we've that have been around for years but this is just taking it to a whole new level i mean what you, you can imagine people just not wanting to to face reality at all when when they can just be be in another place a place of their own choosing or a place of their own design or it's um it is it is exciting and it's scary at the same time because it is i think it is going to be a it is going to be an issue for a lot of people there is this insane paradox in, like in my mind when I think about this. What, what you're saying is um, we are – God, there's so many thoughts in my head right now. But there's – so there's two thoughts. When you say escapism, I think there's another side of that coin in how we're going to have to market this. You know, as, an, as a community, as an industry, you know, people will say, oh, you're just escaping into VR. And we'll have to say, or I'll have to say, because you know, because um, I'm thinking about this, like, well, it's not escaping; it's exploring. It's we're exploring, you know, a new frontier in terms of exploring the computer world and our minds, ourselves, like our minds itself. Like we are exploring. I think VR is a tool, a portal with which we can explore the human mind. But that aside, the other thing that I'm thinking about, like you know, uh, is how do you you know, like how, how do we turn this into a positive the vr addiction thing like how do we turn this into something that you know that isn't that doesn't affect people's lives in a negative way uh, i don't know <laughs> like like that's a hard fucking question cuz cuz the thing is the thing is it's vr with what you're saying is like we we can go to a different world that is that's freedom you know like i didn't have the freedom to choose to be born in Managua, nicaragua in 1987 i didn't have that freedom i didn't have the you know you i don't i'm sure you didn't have the freedom to choose to be born in scotland um but now with vr like you could you have this teleport device and you can you know, and you have freedom to quote unquote go anywhere you want and the paradox is inside of this thing like like you see what i'm saying like you can go anywhere but you're inside this thing it's 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 hard man i don't i really i'm trying to grasp what it is going what it is that this is going to do to individuals and there's no telling really um and for that matter i feel like we need artificial intelligence to solve this problem for us um yeah if i understand you correctly you're saying it's both liberating, but it's also trapping you at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if that's what you're saying, I agree with yes. that. Yeah. 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 It's liberating for your mind, uh, and perhaps it's trapping your body a little bit because you know people will definitely just sort of sit there and veg out, maybe in VR a bit. You know, if you're if you're that way inclined. 
But in terms of your mind, you are you are exploring and you're being active. It's it's yeah, it's quite a paradox. Let's I mean let's go deeper. Let's go deeper into this because this is this is something that I'm that I, I like Inception. Let's go deeper. We must go deeper. Um, there's I mean, what does it mean? Like if even if you say even if a new generation of humans starts growing up with VR, like we grown up with the internet. Um, you know, and 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 all of a sudden they they feel fine with just vegging out, um, and all they're doing is exploring universes inside the inside machine worlds and inside their minds. Like, isn't that? I mean, who is who's to say what it means to be alive? Like, who's to say what it means to be human? Does it mean to be human? Like, human does does being a human mean that you have to get a job? That you have to have a certain? That you have to certain look a certain way? Be a certain weight? Like I don't know, or or can we be humans inside this machine world? Well, that's a very interesting point, isn't it? I suppose it's what your <clears throat> your point of view on that is going to be directly correlated to your own experiences. For example, I'm, I'm sure the previous generation um, would look at the internet and they would look at um, um, <clears throat> online forums or Facebook or what have you as being a completely uh, non-social experience, but people that have been raised on that kind of see it as the opposite. They see that, you know, that is, a, a you know, the ultimate in social experiences. Um, so I guess with, um, with us, um, just being on the edge of this VR thing, it's a little bit scary because it's not been around for most of our lives. So when we think of people disappearing into VR and perhaps spending the vast majority of their lives in VR, you know, we're going to ask questions and say, is that actually living your life? Is that being a human being? Whereas if you were born into that, you know, they'll they'll look at us as being, you know, um, outdated and antiquated for thinking, um, you know, VR isn't, you know, living in VR isn't being human. So I, I guess it just depends on what you're used to and what you were raised in. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's a great way to saying it. True. Truly, because that's that 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 is a future. I mean that's going to be inevitable like that future friction between the generations and and, I, and where do you think you you personally fall in do you feel like do you feel like VR addiction is a matter of perspective or is or or, or is VR addiction a real thing that we need to define and nail down a solution for um, personally, I think VR addiction will be much like any other addiction. I mean, you know, VR is not going to kind of, um, you know, addiction is, it already exists, obviously. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many things that you can become addicted to. So I don't think VR is going to be kind of, uh, is going to change that in any major way. Um, I think, uh, you know, you, you can get addicted to being online, right? There's internet addiction. There's there's uh, addiction to massively multiplayer online role-playing games. There's, you know, there are people that uh, watch too much TV that you, you could say that's addiction. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not even mentioning uh, alcohol and tobacco and all these. So it's, it's not something that's um, new by any means. And just because it's a different form of uh, a different thing that you can be addicted to, um, I don't think it's sort of um, it's going to have its own um, causes or cures or whatever. I think all the forms of addiction have um, similarities that can can be um, are pretty well documented. Um, the the thing that scares me about VR addiction is that um, 
and I'm saying this with my tongue in my cheek partially, but uh, I think I'm a very high candidate for it. And I, I worry about my own sanity in the next two years. Like if it becomes what I dream it, it is going to be, um, you know, I might just disappear into the metaverse and never be seen from again. Where you become a god and yeah. transcend your own humanity. <laughs> but sorry for interrupting. Please continue. No, no, that, that was the end of my thought. But I'm just curious about about you know, about yourself. I mean, how do you feel about, uh, okay, I'm turning the tables here, but, uh, I hope that's okay. That's perfectly um, fine. Yes. Yeah. Um, about yourself. I mean, do you see the addiction thing as being a, a big problem? Do you think that, uh, it's something that you worry about? I think I, so I've been thinking about this a lot because what the fuck is addiction? And, 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 you know, how do you, how do we see this in a scientific way that in a, in a scientific and rational way that can help us steer our morals and, 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 and not through fear, not through money, <laughs> like let's not make, you know, decisions based on money. Fuck you, Congress. Um, let's, uh, uh, what I'm saying is like, let's, it, because here's the thing. If I say, if I say to you, if I say to you right now, uh, Ben, I am a drug addict. Holy shit, shit gets uncomfortable and awkward right away. But if I told you, I'm a, I'm a, my, I'm, my drug is caffeine. I can't stop drinking coffee. And you're like, oh, Chris, what the fuck are you saying? Everyone is a drug addict in that sense because caffeine is a drug, and it's the most consumed drug on planet Earth, right? Uh, you know. But if I said I'm addicted to crack. Holy fuck, like that's a whole another another way. And so and so where does that come from? Like where does that bias come from? Like, you know, where you can say where you or the hive mind, the con collective consciousness of society, you know, where does that where does their bias come from? Like how do they, you know, how will they view VR is the most important thing in my mind. Like and how do you steer and channel the hive mind um in and in, in terms of how they view VR? Like that's and so I think I think we need to like start a channel or something like a VR channel, a media, a VR news with, you know, like um, kind of like how you had G4, kind of like you, how you have IGN, you know, and, and, they, and, and you make VR more typical, more mundane, more banal, more a routine thing. And and in that sense, it's not that a, a scary, transcendent, teleportive empathetic device that will change humanity of course it is but you're hiding it under this thing that is much more routine more banal more practical because you can do education and simulation and better pornography and so on and so forth like but but yeah so the question is perspective because honestly i don't know what the fuck addiction is and i don't know how to deal with it but i know that it's the hive mind the collective hive mind of societies will have a say to how it gets regulated that's what i'm worried about if it gets too regulated like like i'm i'm sorry to fucking pick on england but the fuck you banned face sitting porn like that is that is absurd. <laughs> that is absurd. <laughs> is, is that true? I didn't know that. Face, yeah, face yeah. Sitting, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you what, can't watch porn when people f sit on each other's faces. I, you know, you know, and prohibition doesn't work. If anything, it's gonna make people sit on their faces even more. And <laughs> good on them. Good on them. Enjoy that face sitting. It's good for you. Um, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> how, did, how did we get onto this topic? Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to Google that after this interview. I had no idea about that, and I can't even begin to imagine the reason for that. But anyway. Yeah, and so let me ask you about the regulation. Like, do you think that VR will get re regulated um, in, in the future? And do you think, who do you th what country, you know, just out of guess, what country is going to be the first one to regulate? And what's, what do you think it's going to look like? Oh, I don't know about which country. I mean, I could say a country, but then, you know, people in that country might take offense, so I'm not going to say it. No worries. No worries. Um, the thing about um, censorship, I guess there'll always be ways around these sort of things. So I, it's not something I worry about too much. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they try to censor many, many things. As you said, prohibition does not work, does it? So why would uh, VR censorship, if such a thing existed, why, why would that... Um, be an issue you know there'll always be way, ways around that yeah there's yeah there's <clears throat> there's uh, a lot to be said to uh, the idea that prohibition can instead of you know because it not it's not going to stop it but it could definitely you know detour it into a, a, a bad direction where you'll have and this is completely out of my ass but like you'll have underground <laughs> underground virtual reality uh clubs where people will meet in you know in private and like experience vr <laughs> and you know some of the most craziest things out there can ex they can experience i don't know but it, you mean like uh vr face sitting yes in england <laughs> yes that is exactly what i'm thinking about that is that has to be the killer app man that that has to be the yeah. killer app You've given me some ideas here. I could make a, I could make a killing in the UK with this. <laughs> That's two ideas I've gotten from. I'm stealing from you. I hope. Yeah, you no, please mind. take them all. Uh, you can revolutionize. You can turn on its head what it means to be the toilet simulator of VR. Because <laughs> now you are literally the toilet, and you can see a bunch of asses. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of like uh, your hopes for this technology, like do you have any hope for it? You know, like in terms of what it could potentially do to all of us, or are you more like let's just get shit done? You know, we'll, we'll see how it, things turn out in the long run. Um, that's a that's an interesting and deep question, and I wish I had an interesting and deep answer for that. But uh, I, you know. For the last few years, in the back of my head, I've always hoped that it would just arrive, that it would just be a thing that we could actually use. And now that that's actually happening, you could say that my dreams for VR are fulfilled or being fulfilled because, um, you know, it's actually something that um, is going to be with us or is with us, some of us. Um, in terms of wh where I wanted to go in the future, I, I'm very happy with where it's going to be next year, just being able to buy something like Crescent Bay and, and being able to just kind of um, experience something that probably I wouldn't be able to do in real life. That That's enough for me. I mean, obviously, I know it's going to go much further than that in both good ways and bad ways, but I can't off the top of my head think of anything more than what we're seeing now and what we're going to see in the next year as being something that I could wish for. You know, all these other things are like, you know, um, just icing on the cake. You know, the smaller form factor, maybe some better controls, um, you know, clear 
better resolution, stuff like that. But you know, I'm 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 just super excited about where we are right now with VR because I, I you know just two years ago I, it never occurred to me that we were on the edge of this that we would be where we are right now at this precise moment in time. Yeah, let's uh, let's walk into speculation land because I've been I said a while ago that we were bringing things to a close, but uh, apparently not um, because I still have a couple questions. Uh, <clears throat> you I don't know if you became aware, but Oculus acquired Nimble VR. Um, yes. The skeletal hand tracking guys, they're, they're I've tried their thing. I, I've been to SVR and they tried their thing and it, it's good. It, it works. I like it. Yeah. And it's for cool. what it and for what it is. I think it can go very far. And I, they also acquired they got they brought in Carbon Design, the, the makers of the Xbox 360 controller. So th- there's a couple of things going on there that I am curious to sort of inquire and speculate like and just sort of ask like what is this gonna be what are you guys doing with with these with this talent with these you know uh, with these products you know is this is do you think that this is the indication for the input device for the rift or or am i making shit up uh, no, not at all. I think uh, I think Oculus have been kind of clear about the fact that they were working on some sort of well, researching anyway, um, input uh, methods. Um, I, I was really excited to hear about the Nimble uh, acquisition. Um, unfortunately, I've not tried it, um, but I'll, I'll get you if I could. I could uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on it in just a second. Um, but the um, I'm I'm really hoping that they come up with. Uh, you know, the, the, the nimble thing comes out with CV1. I, I mean, that's really, really optimistic, but I'm really hoping that something uh, standardized comes out because the, the biggest issue, the reason why I haven't gotten into that sort of thing over the last year was because um, there's a few different uh, products in development. And um, as a developer, you would, you would have to kind of um, either bet on which one you think most people are going to be using and, and then support that. Or, or buy them all and support them all, which is uh, both difficult and expensive. And so now that Oculus have actually um, uh, kind of chosen uh, one particular solution, and it seems like it's mature enough. I, I haven't used it myself, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. But it seems like it's, from what I've read, it's 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 quite a mature technology that they could feasibly put into the um, uh, CV1 or CV2. Um, that's exciting because it, it means that. Now um, we have something standard to develop for. So now if we know that this is uh, something that most, uh, uh, well, actually everyone with a, with a consumer rift has, is, then that's uh, you know, something that you need to develop for and you, you, will, you will know that people will be able to use it. Yeah. So I think that's a really exciting development in, in, in terms of uh, uh, developing things that you know, can use your hands or, or whatnot. So can I turn this around and, and ask uh, more detail about your uh, impressions about the sure. uh, the nimble experience? And uh, if you've used the uh, is it the leap motion? Have you used that? And can you compare them a little bit? Yeah, uh, I've tried both. And nimble has a, I, in my view, I think nimble has uh, a wider field of view. Um, and I think they've already talked that they talked about it already. And uh, Nimble is definitely a smaller team. They they haven't been around. They haven't been around for that long. I remember. I think I saw them that the first SVVR meetup like I want to say six to eight months ago. Um, and at that time I was just like, oh, this is this is cute. This is. But I would have never. I would have never guessed that they were gonna end up getting bought out. I I have a I have a theory that is. 
that is completely baseless, but I think it might make sense if you follow follow me for a sec. I think, because I've tried both, and I gotta say, uh, seeing your hands in VR is very compelling, but com manipulating objects in VR, so far from what I've tried, is really difficult. Like there is, like it's not, it's not. I don't think it's really quite ready. Um, and so there's only, I think there was one leap motion experience that, that was just awesome. That It was like this flying demo, but you weren't manipulating anything. You just had your hands out in front of you and you were just moving your arms. Kind of like, yeah, you were flying, but you were moving, tilting your arms one side and the other side to fly in the other direction. Um, but that, again, it wasn't manipulating. What I'm thinking is the Nimble VR attachment will become... A computer vision device that will allow CV1 to have positional uh, positional tracking without a camera, and I think that Oculus is going to pair that with their own controller that they're building with Carbon Design, and the controller will talk to the Rift and will talk to the Nimble VR attachment, and there will be this this hybrid controller that ha that can be tracked by the Nimble and yeah and and then because the problem is and the reason why i say there's going to be a controller is because buttons are really reliable really reliable and in your experience with the xbox 360 like they they you know these controllers like they get shit done like they're and they're they're there's not much variability with them and so i think that oculus will will create a controller with carbon design and they'll pair that somehow with nimble because because hand tracking is compelling. I like it. But it's, I think it's got a lot to go. Or maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe maybe they have something else. Maybe they'll maybe they'll nail it even more. I don't know. It's uh it's there's a there's a yeah. They they might as well be the fucking NSA cuz no one knows. Like <laughs> no one knows anything. Um but yeah, we'll see. What do you think? But it's is, fun to it's fun to speculate, though, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is, and yeah. Then you can see, like, you know, a year from now or six months, hopefully, when it gets released, like, ah, Ben had it right. Um, <laughs> what is? What do you think is the ideal input device, though, for VR? Like, not not what we'll see in the next two years, but like in the next five to ten years. What do you think is going to be the ideal thing that we'll be using? Uh, probably just. Your whole body, basically. I mean, the closest I've come to using anything, uh, I, I tried the STEM VR thing at the um, at the Connect conference, and I think it would be really cool to have something as natural as just using your body to to interact with the world as you would in reality. I don't know if that's going to be achievable in five to ten years, and <clears throat> and noting what you've just said about um, about hands. Uh, controls. You're, you're, you seem to be kind of pessimistic about it. I haven't tried anything as uh, accurate as that yet, but um, I would hope that uh, you know that that's my hope for for controllers that we can. I mean, I love the Xbox 360 controller, and it, it is the thing to be using at the moment. But it's slightly artificial, and I think the ultimate goal of VR is to uh, completely um, have it indistinguishable from what you would actually do in real life. Uh, so in my opinion that would be that would be pretty cool yeah i'm with you uh i'm with you i mean yeah the, the, the thing with the 
with the hand tracking is it's the and this is the thing that everybody says and I'm with them also is like um, you don't feel anything it doesn't you know you're t you're grabbing this cup but you're not grabbing anything you know like it, you're there's this weird disconnect in your brain like I see that I'm grabbing something but I don't feel it so it's uh it's there's a weird disconnect it, like maybe you if if people maybe after a while maybe you can let go of the fact and your brain becomes desensitized and it just becomes more and more real but I um but yeah but like more I feel like more of a especially if you're gonna be playing games for prolonged periods of time I think people would get kind of tired of having their arms out in front of them you know so after a while like if I'm gonna play Skyrim for five hours like uh, that's I better I better hit the gym hard so I can put on that stamina I don't know <laughs> Uh, it's funny you should say that. I used to play um, with my DK uh, one. I used to play um, Doom, uh, the original, and Doom three, and uh, a bit of Quake two as well. And to be really immersed in it, I would always insist that I would stand up because that's to me that's really immersive, and you really feel like you're there. Yeah. And I would I would play these games for like two hours. I would get lost completely, and then I would I would uh, I would need to do something like eat or you know something in real life, and I would take off the the um, the rift, and then I would realize that. I, I could barely walk, but my, my legs had uh, seized up completely, and I was. Um, it, it felt like I'd run a marathon or whatever. Um, and I guess, yeah, I guess that is the same with uh, if you have some sort of camera on the rift looking forward, and that's how you're detecting the hand movements. I, I, I would imagine that would get quite tiresome quite quick as well. Yeah, but I'm sure there's going to be like the next Just Dance of VR and the next. <laughs> You know, we we sports of VR where they'll actually want you to get physical, um, and and I think, yeah, there will be solutions f to get around that as well. But I don't know, man. There's there's a lot of questions, I, and that's the thing that keeps me doing this podcast. Is like, for every answer that I get, I probably have two to five questions on average that I want to ask because there's. Yeah, because this is very this is very bleeding edge, and I wonder like, are the people around you in in Athens and uh, the people in Scotland uh, are they how are they how is their reception how are they receptive to VR like when you say you're working on these VR projects how do people react? Um, most of the time, people don't really know that you know there's there is this compelling device that actually works. So if I show it to people, it's usually um, their first, um, the, the first time they're hearing of it, and they're usually quite um, blown away by it. I'd, I've never had a bad reaction, or I've never had a, an indifferent reaction. Um, but this is only in Athens, Greece, and I don't. There's not that. There doesn't seem to be that many people involved in VR in Athens, Greece, as, as far as I can find. Anyway, I think there was a couple of university projects. Uh, other than that, I can't seem to find anybody else, um, except for a friend that uh, I have that I sort of convinced them to buy the the DK one. Um, but uh, with one exception, I had a friend of mine from London visit us, and uh, he was staying here for about three or four days. And um, on the last day, just before he was to go back to the airport, uh, I just casually mentioned that I was working in VR. And he turned to me and said, oh, my God, you're, you're not telling me you have an Oculus Rift, are you? And I said, yeah, I do. It's just what I've been working with. And he was like, he had heard of it. He'd been following it for months. And... Um, he was just, uh, he just, I, he just basically ran into my room and just uh, stuck it on. And he basically nearly missed his flight back to London because uh, he just couldn't take the thing off. And I felt really bad. I hadn't told him this, you know, he had been staying uh, for four days and I just, it just happened. It just casually came up in the conversation. Um, but that was the first time I'd 
shown it to somebody who knew about it. And and even even then they were they were just extremely excited about it and they were just uh, they couldn't pull themselves away from it. Are you the type of VR enthusiast that um, sort of keeps this thing to to themselves, or are you the kind of guy that like any conversation you have you'll bring up VR? Like, what's your style in that sense? Well, to be honest, I have to keep it really balanced because if if somebody starts me talking on VR, and I'm sure you've discovered that today, yeah. um, I can just ramble on for hours, and I will bore the crap out of anybody who's uh, who's foolish enough to bring up the subject. Um, so I have to kind of uh, you know I have to learn to shut up occasionally if it if it gets onto that. But um, if somebody shows even the slightest interest in it, and if I have somebody here that you know I casually mention it in the conversation and they they have an interest in it then i love demoing it to people and i love talking about it and i love sharing ideas about you know as i've done with you this evening uh, about where this might go and what's going to happen in the next you know in in the near future and in the far future it's just something i just i could talk for hours and yes 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 we can <laughs> And so, and so you're sort of like, yeah, I, I'm sort of, uh, I'm sort of in the same boat with you. Like I'm trying to balance it out a little bit. Um, I don't want to be, I, I mean, I am already, but I don't want to be that guy that every time you see him, like if he's only going to talk about VR <laughs> and so, and so like this one, this like last Thanksgiving, I went to my girlfriend's family and I just, I, I, I just bit my tongue out. I didn't want to bring up, bring up VR at all. Cause I, I was like, unless someone else brings it up, I'm not going to talk about it. And, um, it was a very boring Thanksgiving. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was, it was great. Um, good, good, really good food. Uh, Ben, do you have any like final thoughts before we start bringing things to a close? Um, I'm really hungry. I, I really wish I had a pizza in front of me. Does that count as a final thought? <laughs> that's, that's probably the best closing thought uh, on this podcast yet. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, other than that, how can people stay in touch and how can people follow what you're doing and all that good stuff? Um, most of my stuff is on my website, which is vr-gameplay.com. Cool. And all the relevant links will be uh, put on the show notes. Uh, ben, you have been a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great night. Uh, have a great night's sleep. Uh, and 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 yeah, again, dude, that was it was an awesome time. Thank you. And I just want to say thank you for having me. I'm flattered and honored that you uh, wanted to talk to me about my work, and um, I really enjoyed it. It was a really interesting conversation. So thank you.